From Relay FM, this is Upgrade Episode 420. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander, Squarespace, Sourcegraph, and Member 4. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. It's great to be here on Episode 420, which is 10 times the ultimate answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. Shout out, James Thompson. And that is indeed the only reference to That's that it. number. That's the you canonical reference. Mm-hmm. It's 42 times 10. I have a hashtag snow talk question. Comes from Brantz. Brantz wants to know, what's your favorite candy? Mike will add, in case you're hungry. You know, you got the munchies. What candy do you want? I got to be nice to Brantz because I was kind of mean to Brantz last week. <laughs> in, in Jason's defense, he apologized in Discord before the episode went out. It's true. And Brantz saw that first and then was worried that I'd said something terrible about him, mm-hmm. which I actually didn't do. I said, I asked if he was Johnny Ive in disguise. Um, so what's my favorite candy? Uh, boring answer is dark chocolate. Does that count as candy? I don't even if it's know like, if it does. <laughs> if, if, if it's like mass produced candy, I don't know, uh, like Butterfinger maybe? Because I love peanut butter in yep. all its forms. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's say that. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Does that change? Or is it just a mini Butterfinger? Well, if you can get a mini Butterfinger, then that is absolutely number one on the list. And then there's there's probably a ranking list that goes down from there, like a like a like an Almond Joy or a Mounds, and then you go down to like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, and uh, I, uh you know, I like uh, I like Sweet Tarts. Sweet Tarts are pretty good. Mm. Yeah, it goes down from there. But like, basically, what I'm saying is, if you if you're bringing me your Jolly Ranchers, get out. <laughs> I don't want your Jolly Ranchers. We Jolly Ranchers are at the bottom heart, the hard can. They're at the bottom of the mm. of the bowl at Halloween. And back when I worked in an office, they were at the bottom of the office candy bowl. Where it was it, that was the you could tell like they'd fill the bowl, and then like two days later the bowl was empty except for the Jolly Ranchers at the bottom because uh, nobody likes them and who cares? I don't mind them. I know this is a big thing on Rocket, <laughs> but do you have a stance on candy corn when we're talking about Halloween candy? Mm, candy corn it's neither candy nor corn discuss uh no it's it's uh i i think candy corns are fine and and yes i mean you you undercut me there by saying that you actually like jolly ranchers they're they're fine i'm just saying that i have no enthusiasm for them at all um but yeah i I think candy corns are okay they're they're waxy and a little bit weird but uh you know it's uh the spirit of the season yep this is own thing uh, if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnowTalk or use question mark SnowTalk in the RelayFM members Discord. As always, if you love Upgrade and want more of it, you should subscribe to Upgrade Plus. You'll get no ads and bonus content every single week. Go to getupgradeplus.com. Just $5 a month or $50 a year. Thank you to your support, for your support, and to your support and if yes. you do it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your support, support specifically, and if you're somehow involved in the support, we appreciate it. Uh, we just did merch recently. We did, we did. summer fun tea. I, I actually got mine. got mine. I got mine like two mm. days ago, and I'm wearing the blue one today. Very nice. I I went to uh, the University of Oregon uh, a few days ago for the new student orientation because my mm-hmm. son is going there. And and yes, my daughter goes there too. They're both ducks now, um, and their colors are green and and uh, and yellow. And uh, that summer of fun with the yellow on the green, it's, whew, it's good. I wore it on campus. It was great. Um, I felt spirited and also upgrade uh, related, and that was a perfect feeling. You have a paddling of ducks. I do have ducks. There's a flock. It's mm-hmm. a flock of ducks now that I have. So you know, attack the quack the. 
I don't know. There's it's all duck puns, by the way, at the University of Oregon. They really lean oh, into I it. Oh, I have the, no doubt. The the uh, orientation is called intro duck shun. Oh, that's a bad one. Is that? <laughs> That's not and, a good and, I, one. And, and you know, a, a few years ago, I um, we were we were talking about it, and I had forgotten what they called it, and I was like, "What was the bad pun? What was the bad pun?" And I came up with indoctrination, which I think is a way better name for it, but that's not what it is. It's introduction. To be fair, though, I say that's bad. That's one hundred percent the pun I would come up with, right? I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, when they move in, it's uh, there's a unpack the quack is what they call it. Okay. I'm serious. You cannot escape the duck puns. In Oregon, well, it's just I guess how it is. You know what you're getting yourself into before you really settle in, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, before you make a nest. That's yourself. that's right. And they have a mascot who's a duck, and he was at the thing. He he appeared at the thing to get them all hyped up. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. You just got to embrace it when mm-hmm. you when you go there. So anyway, the anyway. summer of fun T-shirt was really nice, and I'm very happy to have gotten them. So yeah, awesome. But they're gone. But they're you gone. can't get them. Can't get them. So, so there's no upgrade merch anymore. Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. What? There is now. We are introducing the permanent upgrade merch store. Uh, uh, okay. There's a reason for this. All right. So we've been at Relay FM. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. We've been experimenting with some of Cotton Bureau's on-demand printing. So the Summer of Fun shirts, their campaign printing, the printing process is slightly different. Um, it's like a thicker screen print, which for some designs can be better. Like for the Summer of Fun, you really want the yellow to be very strong in the design, right? Um, so we do them for a couple of weeks and let them go. And plus, some stuff is like limited. I have wanted to do a draft shirt for ages because i love the draft logo that simon made for us and we Mm -hmm. still use it we just adapt it with what the draft is each time and i love it i've wanted it for a long time but the problem with the draft is you never really one does not know when the draft is coming until it's too late and so if we knew the draft you know we know the drafts here we can't then put up the store because then by the time Mm -hmm. the campaign has ended and then you was mailed the draft t-shirt I mean, you'd be in draft desert again, right? Like waiting for yes. the next one. And honestly, sometimes if you did it in September, we could end up like getting to the next draft again <laughs> before the shirts even mm-hmm. ship. So yes. we're now going to be doing uh, a few designs on the uh, print-on-demand that, that, that Cotton Bureau does. So whenever you want to, Upgrade listener, you can just go and buy an Upgrade Draft t-shirt or the two versions of an Upgrade Logo shirt, Upgrade Max and Upgrade Mini. Mm-hmm. Do you like the naming, Jason? I do. And uh, the Upgrade Mini gives everybody out there um, who likes shirt pocket logo designs mm-hmm. instead of centered mm-hmm. big logo designs a an, an upgrade option for mm-hmm. the very first time because I don't love the shirt pocket logo. Exactly. The Max design. is the Jason shirt. The Mini is yeah. the Mike shirt. That's what okay. happened here. I wanted this because right. I like the yep. small designs um, as well as the big. I like the big designs too, but I like the small, I like the diversity in my designs. So there's that. They're in a bunch of colors, both of them, so you can get some cool colors. This these will always be here. Uh, there's no reason why they can't be. And the way that this works, you order it, and then a couple of days later, it gets shipped out. It's great. And also, there's uh, hoodies and, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, what I will say about the Upgrade Mini shirt is that they do something that you don't see very often with Cotton Bureau, is a zip-up hoodie on demand. Because the artwork's not in the middle, you can do a zip-up hoodie. So you can get that. So this is a cheaper version of an Upgrade hoodie than the big embroidered Upgrade hoodie that we do 
Oh, yeah, you can go up, you can, under type, you can choose sweatshirt. Uh-huh. For all of these. So you could get sweatshirts instead of t-shirts. Uh, and it's not going to be the embroidered hoodie that we offer normally. Correct. But it's more affordable and you can get it whenever you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought the t-shirt. At, at some point, I'm going to definitely get a uh, sweatshirt of the Upgrade Draft logo because I think that'll look, that'll look really and good. And if it's still, uh, you feeling like the summer of fun, you can get a tank top. Yeah, but not with the summer of fun on it. No, but but the tank top implies summer and fun. It I most think. De- do you know? It most definitely does. It yeah, you can get a, get an upgrade draft tank top and royal blue tri blend, and just go to town. I really appreciate the people that buy summer of fun tank tops. Like we've had a couple of upgradians send us yep. pictures of them in their tank tops, and like it's amazing. There's even a onesie for a baby. You can get your baby mm-hmm. into the upgrade draft. Immediately, although I think more fitting would be a onesie with the upgrade max logo because what is a baby but an upgrade? Very true. Um, when me and Stephen we we do the the backstage membership show, right? We offered a membership bounty for the first member to send us a photo of their baby in a Relay FM onesie, and we got it within like a week or two, and we gave that person a free membership to a show of their choice. Amazing. Because we just thought it was really cool. No. So you can go get onesies. Awesome. Okay. So this is all available. Upgradeyourwardrobe.com whenever you want it. All right, Jason, there's, it's awards season. Uh, I mean, it's all... Isn't I mean, it always? The Oscars are in March and the Emmys are in September. So that's coming, I guess. It's like there's some... It's always awards season, Mike. That's always. a good point. Uh, but the Hollywood Critics Association TV Awards were last night. Right. Right. So this is the TV critics uh-huh. basically vote on their favorites. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, if you're like, oh, it's all just a popularity contest, it's like, well, here is the critical acclaim award, essentially, where the TV critics all get together and hand out awards. Severance won five awards, the most of any show, because they split these into broadcast, cable, and streaming. There's like three sets of awards, which I didn't know until I was looking into this today. Um and but Severance won the most of any of these. Oh, I need to. I need, this is the Hollywood Critics Association, which is different from the TV Critics Association, which is yet another Critics Association award. What we're saying is Hollywood is really good at giving itself awards. That's what I'm saying. Well, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, uh, no, these are the Hollywood. Are they critics of Hollywood? Probably not. Probably Let's not. be honest. They're probably not critics of Hollywood, but they love Apple. When I was in LA last time, I walked past the building, the Hollywood Critics Association buildings, like just looks really? like a little house somewhere. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I know them. We talk about them. They give out the awards mm. to Apple." Anyway, yeah, Severance give won them five. A, a rainbow Apple decal or something for I'll, them to put I'll on knock their front on the door next time. Mm-hmm. Ted Lasso won two. Yeah, so still picking up the awards, but I think this is an interesting indication. Severance might do really well. Yeah. yeah, and well, and this they won best comedy and drama for streaming series, so mm-hmm. that they got the big awards, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is quite a thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Tim Cook loved it. Tim Cook tweeted about it. Of course he did. I thought that was uh, interesting. Where they have the Tim Cook tweet where he has to figure out how to how to refer to Severance, right? So it's like I'm proud of the Richmond Footballers and um, Lumens Macro Data <laughs> Refiners and their Audis. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. nice. don't look too close. Yeah. It's kind of dark, but We're proud it's of it, though. Winner. We're proud of them. It's definitely not like our office in any nope. way, all right? Leave us alone. Nope. 
This episode is brought to you by our friends at Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting time finding the video conferencing details for the next, next meeting to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website every time someone sends a support email. These are the kinds of things you want directly at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition so you can focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander will do the rest for you. You can just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then create your chosen abbreviation and they're going to be with you wherever you type. You can even customize these snippets so you can automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and tons more so that you still keep that personality and communication that you're sending all in one. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS too. Uh, I love Text Expander. We use it here at Relay FM for these exact things. One of the things that I do a, a lot is send my Zoom information to people. So I just type when I'm on my Mac, Z Z O O M, and it just pre-fills of all of the Zoom information so I send it to someone in Slack or any email or whatever. Very easy, very simple. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade, and you can get 20% off for your first year. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's time for a rumor roundup, Jason Snell. Okay. So Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max are likely to be more expensive this year. Hmm. So the the quo did not state what he believes the new prices will be, but did say that he estimates the average selling price for the iPhone 14 lineup as a whole to be around 15% higher than the iPhone 13. Now, what this does not mean is that there will be a 15% increase necessarily to the iPhone 14 lineup. It could be. Could be 10%, could be 20%. Mm-hmm. But the, what Quo is saying is that the mixture of all of the phones sold when put together will be higher than the iPhone 13 line, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now, what that could mean is that Ming Chi Quo is expecting that there will be more of the more expensive iPhone 14 phones sold. Than the iPhone. They call favor- favorable mix, I think, is how they refer to that on the analyst call. Tough favorable compare. mix. Tough compare. Um, no, no, it's a favorable mix, Mike. Compare? It's not a tough compare. It's a, it's a good compare. It's good a favorable compare. mix. So that the basically, there could be a bunch of things here. Could be a little bit more expensive, and also they're expecting to sell maybe more of the pro phones, which I actually would expect, considering that the pro phones are expected to be making the leaps this year where the regular phones might not be. So for just consistency's sake, the pro phones should be getting always on display, removing the notch and replacing it with the cutouts, a 48 megapixel camera and an A16 processor, which rumors are suggesting the iPhone 14 and 14 Max wouldn't get any of these features. Yeah, I ran, so I ran some numbers. Oh, yes, I love it. I put in... I put in the existing existing phone line and their prices and what I you know, a vague guess about how they sell percentage wise. And then I I I 
copied that and I changed it. And what I did was I just did removing the mini and replacing it with a max that's priced a hundred dollars more than the, than the 14 would be or the 13 mm-hmm. and changed the mix a little bit so that there were more maxes sold. And, you know, and that came out of maybe the, uh, not only the mini, which is gone, but also out of the regular model. And, I can't get, I mean, that was my initial thought was they must be figuring that the new mix will push them up because it would, if the, if the new phone, that's the bigger low end phone is a hundred dollars more, that's going to increase their average value. And the answer is yes, it will. It's not going to increase it by 15%. 15% means everything's going up a hundred, 10 to 15%. Everything's going up a hundred dollars and there's a change in mix that's favorable to Apple. Um, you're right. It may also be that when they're not doing a new processor in the low-end models, that the low-end models will lag and the high-end models will be even more of it. But my my initial reaction was, oh, this must be about mix. But 15, 15% or even 10%, it's too much. It's, it's a very okay. large number. And if you really look at it, the thing that makes the most sense is what was $7.99 becomes $8.99. What was nine ninety nine becomes ten ninety nine, and that is just we the given what's going on with the strength of the dollar, given what's going on with inflation, like it it would not surprise me at all if Apple just lifted every iPhone by a hundred dollars and kept the old ones on sale, right? right. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay, so what we're probably looking at here is like some mixture of all of it, but as you're saying. No matter, like, as in, like, it could be the mix, it could be the fact that there's a max, not a mini, so that can be more expensive. Right. But even it, but you still have to most likely increase prices to get to a 15% increase if Quo is correct. If Quo is correct, that's what I'm saying is that you're looking at a scenario where you have an iPhone 14 at $799, an iPhone 14 Max, no, an iPhone 14 at $899, and a 14 Max at $999. Yeah. 14 Pro at 10.99 and 14 Pro Max at at uh, 11.99, um, and there are some rumors about specs improving. So it might be one of those things where you're like, well, it doesn't sound like Apple to just raise every price. It's like, yeah, but they might start the storage higher than yep. they did before and say, oh, but but look, it's not really that big of a a change if you look if you compare the storage to what it was before. We just eliminated the lower storage tier. You know there are there are ways to to massage that price increase of the base model. Um, but we we talk a lot here about how there's you know marketing and buying psychology that goes on when Apple positions its products, and one of the ways it does that is it creates that low end price so that you can you can quote a number like you can get in the door for this price. But then you look at that that model whether it's a MacBook Air or an iPhone or an iPad, and you go. Yeah, but I don't want that one. I want the one that's even more expensive. So that that low price got you in the door, but it's not the price you're going to pay. So th- there are ways for them to do that with this. But when when Quo's saying, like, bottom line, it's going to be 15% more um, in average selling price, I, I, I think the only way you do that is by raising the prices. You mentioned about the storage thing. So there seems to be a bit of back and forth from some analysts as to whether they're going to do this or not. I think this might be a bit of conjecture, really, more than any particular sure. reporting. Uh, but it seems like that some people are suggesting that we could see an increase in the starting storage of at least the pro phones. Yeah, I don't think the storage is 
I guess it's profit, but it's not that it's not that expensive for Apple to vary the storage. I feel like I feel like the the storage is a great place for them to force people to pay more for more because it's the only time you can do it is right then. But I think that's a pretty easy easy way for Apple to raise the base price. Um, throw in something so they can say, ah, but you get more mm-hmm. without it actually hurting their uh, profit margin yeah. very much at all. Yeah, I expect right? that they still do what they used to do, which is buy just obscene amounts of storage at once. I, yeah. Right? Sure. Like, this was that thing about, there was that particular SS, like that's that drive, that small drive, right? It wasn't SSD, but it was a small drive for the iPod. And they just bought basically all of it. And then they used to do this for NAND Flash as well, right? Like, there was always reports back in the day that, like, oh, well, they, Apple bought all of what was available for the, for the uh, iPod Nano, and she, she just can't get it. And I expect that, obviously, they're not doing that anymore because everyone uses this stuff now. But you've got to assume that they just buy obscene amounts of storage and just have it around. So, like, that, the price changes there are not going to be as huge as they might be if you were just going in and buying one yourself. And keep in mind, we're talking about 128. 128's not really a great number of st- for storage on a phone, right? It's not great. So they could they could lift those, especially on the pro models. They could lift those up to 256 as the base, as and, and basically say it's the same price, right? It's literally because right now that hundred dollar shift is just going up to 256. So they could eliminate the 128, mm. keep it at 256, add a higher tier for even more money, and say. Yes, the base price is is uh, is higher, but if you if you compare it to the existing models, it's the same price, right? Like that would allow them to do that, but it but it means that you've eliminated all the seven ninety nine phones because they're all eight. All of those now are going to go up to eight ninety nine. You can't buy in for less than eight ninety nine, and you just say two fifty six is the new base. They they definitely could do that on some or all of these phones. Again, conjecture, but it's definitely something they could do. I wonder if this will lead to all those like trade in, trade in, trade in things from the last time that they did that. Do you remember mm. they, when they raised the phone prices and people seemed to be a bit cool on it? So then they just they just like blitzed all of the retail stores with trade in signs, trade ins and discounts and things yeah. like that. Sure. Well, keep in mind this is also a really weird time because it's the third year of the same model, right? And so Apple, this is where Apple makes makes more of an effort. Remember when Apple didn't make any effort at all to sell iPhones? They just happened. Well, now they make more of an effort and this, we're going to revisit that third year of the cycle where Apple has to make a greater effort to move iPhones. But not to get ahead of ourselves here, but like the reports are that they are making as many phones as they would normally make. They're not like some of their competitors are cutting uh, manufacturing orders because they they see a slowdown here and Apple doesn't seem to see that so Apple seems confident that they're going to be able to sell a whole bunch of iPhones anyway they may have to work harder at it. Yeah, Debbie Bloomberg says that Apple are expecting demand to still be strong, ordering at least 90 million iPhone units, which is on par with the iPhone 13 line. I just want to come back to what you said about the third year thing. I think there's an asterisk. Like yes, the overall design of the phone is going to be the same as the 13 and the same as the 12. But what we're going to get this time is big regular phone. That's new. And the pro phones, they're going to look visibly different, especially at the screen, right? Look, when I say I I assume the upgradians uh, are well-versed in all of this because we talk about it here a lot, third year doesn't mean 
nothing's changed. There's always, in fact, Apple has to go out of its way every year where there's not a visual change to make some reason why you might upgrade. And people are on a on a multi-year cycle for their phones. So they're probably upgrading from the old look anyway, although in year three, they may be coming from the from the 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 first year of the existing look. The Apple always, I mean, you could make an argument that that many of the iPhone's greatest tech leaps happen in the boring year, right? Because they're uh, changing it on the inside, but not changing it on the outside. And and yeah, I mean, there are there are absolutely things to be interested about in the in the fourteen. It's just that in the larger market, if you look at phone sales the big bump comes when they, they change the outside mm-hmm. and then it goes, it, it, it kind of flattens off from there and it's that year. So I, I, I'm not saying that they won't sell phones. They obviously think they will. I'm just saying they have to work harder at it. And I would say upgrading yeah. the specs and doing things like making a new model that's the that's a uh, 14 Max and putting in the new camera this year, that's all part of working, working hard. harder. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also, as you say, right, like the chassis being the same, but changing the screen, right? It's like that's working harder, yeah. right? Because you're right. realizing what can I change without changing yeah. the entire thing, right? We're not changing the, the stainless steel band and the glass back and all of that this time. We, you know, we have an idea for next time, and oh boy, just uh, we'll we'll get there. But what can we do this time? And the answer, well, we could change the the cutouts in the screen now and not wait for a year. And we can we finally got that new camera system. We'll put it in this year. Um, you know, and then, and then next year it'll be in the, in the new one that everybody goes, people who are concerned about the look. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's some truth in this. People who are concerned about the camera will rush to buy the 14 pro people who are concerned about the look. Yeah. Maybe they wait for the 15 and yeah. that's fine. Like, yeah. cause again, there are different audiences at different times and the goal is just to get Apple to their, you know, 90 million iPhones or whatever that they want to sell yeah. for this cycle. I think even if Apple wanted to, they couldn't sell an iPhone to every iPhone customer every year, right? Certainly not. They can't tailor to that. They can't even... No. There's not even an an attempt to try and do that because they would not be able to do it. No. And they've got the different constituencies. In fact, I I would... There's probably something written on a whiteboard somewhere at Apple or was written on a whiteboard at Apple before it was, you know, erased in order to protect everybody Mm -hmm. from all the secrets Mm -hmm. getting out. But there probably is a philosophy somewhere that is... You know what are the what are the upgrade propositions this year and over the three year span? So you can say sort of like we want to make sure, right? It, it just makes sense. The first year the look is going to sell it. Second year though, what's going to sell it? Third year, what's going to sell it? Because you want selling points every year. Otherwise, why are you even doing this, right? Like you gotta like what? no new iPhones this year, everybody. We we're nothing nothing interesting, nothing new here. Just some colors. Uh, they're not going to do that. So they have to plan out what the different things are, and those will appeal to different people. And then I think also there are some iPhone buyers that do it based on time, where it's literally like every two or three years, they're like, oh, I'm going to get a new iPhone. And it doesn't, you know, what what they get is the accumulated features of the last two or three or four years. Mm-hmm. And that works for them, too. So I, I think Apple probably knows all of those constituencies. And is it, it's also good for Apple because, yeah, they, they, they can't do a brand new, entirely different phone every year. So you upgrade the camera system this year, you change the look this year, you upgrade the, some new WYSI sense or processor or something this year and you you make it all kind of progress. In his Power On newsletter, Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is looking to triple the revenue that it makes from ads. So there have apparently been some restructuring at Apple, 
with the head of their ad business, someone named Todd Teresi, now reporting directly to Eddie Q. Teresi is now apparently looking to increase the revenue that their Apple makes from ads from around $4 billion per year to a double-digit figure. It's being reported that triple, right? You could triple it. Uh, so we've recently seen Apple add the Today tab App Store ads, right? It was previously just Search, and now they're like adding what looks like kind of sponsored content kind of stuff um, into the uh the, the whole mix, right? So you could, I don't know, create some graphic and put it there and make it look like it's part of a an ad, in like a part of the content in the app store, but it's actually an ad, I should say. Um, this is like, you know, more inventory, right? More placements. Let's keep putting the ads everywhere that we possibly can. Uh, Mark Gurman believes that maps could be a place to add more ad inventory to in the future. And there's been some internal exploration to this, as well as more of their digital storefronts like books, podcasts, etc. When I saw this report, I recently, uh, sorry, I, I immediately thought for that this seems like somebody at Apple disagrees with the approach and told Mark Gurman about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always the question of why, why did something leak? And what was the motivator in having it leak? And and I, that is definitely a possibility. If somebody is like not happy with this and wants to call it out so that people will talk about it. It's the naming of it to me. And like just more details in the story of like this figure, Todd Teresi, like being really into it and like wanting to push it and having lots of meetings. Because it kind of feels to me like the way I look at it is on the surface, do I believe this is something they're going to do? Yes. But this also sounds like an executive that wants to be really important, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe Todd DeRacy is walking around saying, I want to triple ad revenue. And like, that's just their thing that they want to do, you know? Yeah, you could you could see how somebody might, somebody at Apple who doesn't like this approach of like, we're going to try to put ads as many mm-hmm. places as we can, who thinks that Apple is not an ad company and that it junks up the customer experience. And I would say most of Apple is probably at least inclined to believe that the people who sweat on the hardware and the software and, and want, you know, we're, we're Apple. We, we make this great user experience. And then there's the group that, that, you know, they talk about on the, on the calls with Wall Street where they're like, you know, we're growing services and we're growing ad revenue and isn't it good that we're making more money? And it's it's not hard to imagine that somebody discovers that the that the iAd guy has been given more direct has you know, who was walled off for a while is now reporting directly to Eddie. And it's like, oh boy, that guy, right? And I don't know anything about this guy. He might be a nice guy or not, but he's the ad guy regardless. Mm-hmm. And uh, and how somebody else might look at that and say, this is not what Apple should be doing. And I mean, my feelings on this are 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 pretty clear, which is I think that the that I'm not allergic to ads. I'm really not. I think ads have their place. However, Apple jamming ads into its products that we're already paying for feels for I mean, I, I would be more. I mean, this is a hard one. I, I would I would be more understanding of it if I felt like, well, this is how Apple needs to do business to survive. Yep. 
And maybe that's unfair. Maybe the the answer should always be, I'm sure Wall Street would tell you, the answer should always be, if you can make money, do make money. If you can make more money, make more money. That's always the answer. I would argue, um, and I used to argue this as part of my job, actually, uh, that you degrade the product when you insert ads everywhere. Because while ads are not fundamentally bad, ad placements tend to get out of hand and they get out of hand quickly to the detriment of the user. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you have to ask the big picture questions of, do we turn away revenue because it makes our product worse? Or do we not care that it makes our product worse? And when I look at a lot of the stuff that Apple's already doing, I think it makes their product worse. I I think... <laughs> The app store, they they talk about the app store ads being like, oh, well, it helps people find stuff. It's like, okay, but you you got ads up at the top of search for things that are not what people are searching for. And then below, you've got the thing people are actually searching for. So what you're doing is you're allowing people to eclipse the right answer with their answer uh, based on payment. And since these are all app developers, what you're also having them do is bid against each other for the right to give back the money they earned from Apple uh-huh. to Apple in order to get better placement to make more money, which they will then presumably give back to Apple to do more placement. I don't I don't think it is helpful, more helpful than having a good search algorithm. Certainly not the way that it's implemented. It's like another tax on top of the one they're already paying. Right. No, it is. And I I've, I felt that for a while that the App Store ads is just like, if you're, you people, people are mad about the 30%. How about this? How about that? If you don't take an ad out for the name of your product, your competitor will be there when people search for your product name. It's like, uh, what a racket is what I'll say. What, what a racket to, to say, well, you know, if they search for Overcast and they find Spotify, you could pay us more money, Marco, and then they yeah. wouldn't find Spotify. It's like, it's it's just a... a anyway, it, and again, I'm not allergic to ads. There are places where ads are probably fine. Um, the idea that if you had a maps search and somebody paid to have their item also appear on the search or something like that. I don't love it, but like, you know, I can see the argument for it. But as the person who's always the editorial editorial person jousting with the salespeople at a website, which was the, the product, right? I think a lot of people who are involved in ad sales make terrible decisions based on small amounts of revenue because they believe that all new revenue is good and it never has deleterious effects. And it's not true. You, you junk up your product. And I think the app store is junked up. I think that they, they if they're going to put apps in maps, maybe it'll be tasteful, but it probably won't be. They put them in the bookstore or in Apple Podcasts. Are they going to be uh, good or are they going to be junky? And like, it's not very, it's not very hard to make them crappy, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say, again, that all ads are bad. Um, but it also, I think, is a problem when when you've got uh, this feeling that Apple is like searching around in the cash in the couch cushions for change yeah. when it's one of the richest companies in the world. Yep. And I think that is I get why they might do that to satisfy Wall Street, but I think it is one of the worst traits of modern Apple is this idea that they need to make more money even if it means junking up their product because they make a lot of money on their product mm-hmm. and one of their selling propositions is that their product is not full of junk. This is like 
I'm not saying that they would do this, but this is like putting putting a uh, crapware on new Macs. That would increase revenue, right? Like charging companies, like, hey, Microsoft, give us some money, and we'll, yeah. yeah. I don't want to give Todd Teresi any ideas, but like, I mean, there's surely incremental revenue to be made pre-installing trial software on every Mac that gets sold. How about pre-installing apps on iPhones too? I mean, you can take this pretty far and they haven't yet, which is good. But like, I I think there's maybe an attitude of like, ah, but it's, it's just ads. It's just ads. It's fine. And, and it's not always fine. So them ruffling through the couch couch cushions for another, you know, six billion dollars of ad revenue, you know, it, it strikes me that this is some executive, probably Tim Cook, saying to Eddie Q, more revenue from ads, and but do but in a tasteful way. It's like okay, we'll we'll see we'll see about that. I am very skeptical about all the places that they're sticking ads. And the fact that you, in general, for a premium product, the fact that there are ads you can't escape, I just don't like it. I don't like the idea that there are ads you can't escape because this is a premium product. And when the ads are getting in the way of the actual content, ads can be content, right? But there are a lot of times when ads get in the way of the content that you're actually looking for. Yeah. Um, and that leaves aside the whole other issue, which is the fact that Apple has cleared out a lot of third-party ad networks like Facebook with the app tracking transparency, but that's not going to stop them from doing first-party ads, which are basically all ads that are sold by Apple and shown on Apple's platforms are allowed because Apple has defined those as fine, So that's which is nice for Apple. You know, obviously we're an ad-supported program, but if the percentage of revenue we made from ads was the same as what Apple does from ads, we wouldn't run ads. You know, like if, if there was, <laughs> yeah. if the Upgrade merch store, right, made us however much money it made and then our ads made us like whatever percentage, like 1%, we just wouldn't do the ads anymore, right? Right. But it doesn't work like that for us. Like, it's, a, it's a difficult balance. And like I said, again, ads, I don't think ads are fundamentally bad. I would also say we also sell a premium version of the show without ads, right? Mm-hmm. But I've always felt like Apple's promise was that it was the premium version like all apple products are the premium version of the product right but to have i I, and i don't want to live in a world where you buy an iphone for a thousand dollars and then like amazon there's a for an extra hundred dollars you can turn off the ads i i don't want to live in that world but that that is what makes me uneasy is that i'm not sure that this push toward ads uh is something that it's not that it can't be done in a way that is seen to benefit the user and be a kind of wholesome thing. I think there are ways to do it that way. But if the app store search is any example, like, again, it feels like a protection racket to me and it gets in the way of your actual search results. And I do not like it. That's what I'm saying. If people haven't gotten that approach, just I want to be clear here. Do not like what I don't like about it is it just feels hypocritical to me, even though it like technically isn't, it just feels it and I don't like it. I think Apple's gone to such great lengths to try and make it seem like online advertising is bad and like they're just everyone's trying to steal right. your information and sell it to each other people, but our advertising is fine. And and their sales pitch for their advertising will be we know everything about our users, right? Yeah. But it's okay because we're Apple and we're the first party. German right. says, Oh, they're probably not going to bring iAd back. That's not part of the plan right now. The iAd was Apple's own in app ad network. And I was sitting there raising my eyebrow when I read that on Sunday morning. Well, Fortunately today today <laughs> on Stratechery, yeah. uh, Ben Thompson wrote about it and said exactly what I was thinking, which is 
uh, they'll totally bring back IAD. They're totally going to do that because once they've cleared out <laughs> all value from in-app ads because they're from third-party trackers, step two is you come in with your first-party ad solution and nobody has a choice but to use Apple's ad solution because Apple's the only one with the data. And, and you know, again, the report says that they're not currently planning that. I would say common sense suggests that if they're doing all of this, they are absolutely going to start selling ads into apps too, because why would they let anybody else make that money when they can make it themselves? And I think that's the attitude here. I do think the only reason that they wouldn't do it is if they think that they legally would, it would be too difficult. Well, I, I do agree. If they if they release that, it would make the screams from the likes of Facebook even louder and would probably should, open them though. up to more scrutiny. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, now that yeah. we've killed your business, we're going to take over your business. It's like right? how like, many that's more how shoes works. could drop at that point? You know, There's like, the whole the whole shoe Marcos. store. It's yep. Just, mm-hmm. The, the Foot Locker. <laughs> the whole Foot Locker is happening <laughs> right there. Everywhere. Yep. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Products, services, even the content that you create, Squarespace has you covered. They do this in a bunch of ways. So easy to get started. You just go sign up. You can sign up for a free trial at squarespace.com upgrade. You go and sign up. You choose the template that you want. All of their templates are beautiful. I love them. And you can go in. You can choose what business, like, you know, your category of business you want, category of website you want. You'll get a bunch of options. You can choose it and customize it. But I've just gone in and been like, oh, which one do I like the most? Because they're so easy to customize. They kind of do a good job of like helping you get set up. And I've liked this in the past, like when we were creating a website for our wedding. You could go in and choose from wedding templates and it has like a page structure. Like these are the things you would want to include on a wedding website. And that was really good because then it gave us a good head start. So you can go in, but then it's so easy to customize with colors and fonts and the layouts. Awesome. Then you can use insights to grow your business or your website. If you ever wondered where your visitors are coming from, if you have a store where your sales are coming from, Squarespace can tell you all of this. They can tell you which channels are most effective. You can analyze it all. Then when you have that data, you can improve your website and build a strategy that works uh, based on top keywords, popular products, popular content, all that kind of stuff. Then you can get stuck in with SEO tools as well. They have a full suite of integrated uh, features and guides so you can maximize prominence among search results. So if you want to go and check this out for yourself, very easy. Go to squarespace.com upgrade. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code upgrade. You'll save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com upgrade. And when you sign up, use the offer code upgrade. You'll get 10% of your first purchase and, should, and support this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Upgrade and all of Relay FM. I had a note in my little show notes document which said Jason's HomeKit cameras. And I don't know what this is in reference to. So I wanted to ask you, Jason, do you have HomeKit cameras? Um, uh, technically, uh, yes, but asterisk. Okay. I have cameras that show up in the Home app. They are... Oh, HomeBridge? Uh, no, it's um, so there. <laughs> this is okay. Great. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's evasive. Sorry, I uh, I'm on the advice of my attorney. I have been told to take the fifth here. Um, now I have so I have Arlo cameras. Okay. Uh, fr- which is uh, are they still? 
part of uh, Netgear. I think they might have been spun out, but like it's basically Netgear made them. Uh, and I've had them for a while. I've actually upgraded them all during that time. Arlo cameras are wireless, and they are their own thing. So recently they did a software update that allows them to work with HomeKit, but it's a weird situation because okay. they're not HomeKit secure video. Okay. But they do show up in the Home app. But because of the way they're built, they don't qu- quite work the way you would expect a HomeKit camera to work. Because basically they're, um, they're because they're wireless, they basically go to sleep and they've got motion triggers to wake them up. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to, in most cases, trying to conserve battery. Now, I actually have two of them are plugged into power and two of them are pl- attached to solar panels on my roof, little tiny solar panels that keep them, that top up their charge. Uh, So for the most part, they are actually powered, but the way the whole system works, they, they kind of go to sleep and then they wake up. So when I watch, like I open, just open the home app and I've got like, uh, one that says it's been it's the view of 10 seconds ago and one's the view of six seconds ago and one's the view of now but the view of now is not actually the live view uh if if i click on it i get the live view so it's it's iffy like they're present and i can theoretically like watch them in on apple tv by they have a little camera view they're in the home app but they're not they're 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 sort of vaguely home kit uh that does sounds like a home kit camera to me it's just they're not home kit secure video Right. Well, that's true. Well, and I think they're refreshing. I think that they they are doing some cheating on the on the server because there's like a base station. I think they're uh-huh. doing some cheating on the base station level to, like I said, seem like an immediate thumbnail of what's going on outside, and it's a lie. Maybe all HomeKit cameras are like that. Maybe I mean like cameras that like you know we have a Canary camera which I can't believe is still working. Uh, yeah. We have none ring, of us can. Mike. We have none a ring us. thing here at the studio, and like, then none of them like the alive live. There's always a delay. It's going to go up to the server and then push to you, right? So it's not like no. But live, this live. this is the case where like I'm looking right now at my side yard, uh-huh. and there is a view that I don't think. Well, maybe it is live. I, I, when I click on it, yeah, I guess so. I guess it is. It's so they're refreshing every so often uh-huh. with a with a thumbnail of what's going on out there. Okay. Um, but it, it's not all the time. And then if I click, it it brings up the live view. So it used to be everything was just in the Arlo app, but now I can see the live views in HomeKit. If I want to see the past stuff, I go to the Arlo app, and that's where it's got its past stuff. I actually because I have the Arlo base station, it's got a little drive attached to it, so I've actually got even more video kind of archive on there that it just writes to it. So if I had something particularly interesting or exciting happen i could go to the footage and see if i could find it there uh yeah it, it they're fine i got them part because i thought it was cool uh and then there was a break-in down the street and they asked if i had video because they saw my camera if i had video and honestly i'd left that i it, i let the battery run down on the old camera and i had to say no i don't actually have any any video that might have caught somebody passing by and i realized okay well if i'm going to have these cameras i need to actually keep them powered so i got a couple new cameras and i got the the uh the solar panels and i uh i plugged two of them in to power directly and um and so now that's that's what my setup is to be honest the most exciting thing that it shows me is what cats have been in my backyard mm. But I get to have, so the cameras, they're wireless, right? Cameras are wireless. But they work yes. with HomeKit. But they work with HomeKit, yeah. Okay. So they're wireless. They talk to a base station. 
that uh, is the Arlo base station, but it's basically a Netgear. It looks right. a lot like a Netgear Wi-Fi base station, except it's built for the for the Arlo cameras. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they're they're meant to be because you know you don't have networking or even power in some places. So the Arlo infrastructure was always sort of like you you don't need to have power to a place where you put your your camera yes. and I I now have two positioned in places where I do have outlets that can run to them but like I said the other two there's no power near them at all and so for them you know you can you can either charge the battery every 2 months or something which is what I used to do but now with these um with the new cameras and the solar panels um, even in the winter, it does a pretty good job. Occasionally, I, I I get a low battery warning, and I have to like reposition the the uh, the panel that's just lay literally just laying on my roof. Um, but because oh, so you the, have the solar too, then you do have that interest. I do. I have two solar panels, one attached to each of the. So the unplugged cameras recharge themselves with solar. Now mm-hmm. I haven't had to recharge them at all, even in the dead of winter. Um, it 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 gets enough sun in order to keep the battery charged because it's got yeah. a battery in it that's supposed to go for months and months. Um, and so it generally, that's, that's close enough. And if I had a problem, I would go and charge it and then bring it back out. But I actually haven't had to do that. That's very cool. I see. Cause I came across Arlo recently because I was looking for a home kit video doorbell uh. and they make one, but it's the wired one. And I want a wireless one. Yeah. And I don't think, please, upgrading, tell me if you found, I don't think a wireless video doorbell that works with HomeKit exists. And I don't know why. Hmm. But I think it's just, I've only been able to find wired products that exist. Because this is the thing, like you're saying, like I, I know that the wireless cameras with HomeKit is sometimes a newer thing, but also like a, doesn't necessarily work exactly the way that you would think and or can't get all of the features, right? Um, it seems mm-hmm. like that something being wired is like seems to be pretty important or at least it being like a hub or whatever. Uh, but that's cool. I didn't know that they did the solar panels. Like, I don't know how well that would work in the UK. I think probably okay. In the UK, I, I, I honestly don't know. But I mean, if it um, works for you in the winter... Maybe at least it worked for me in summer. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah, summer, for sure, summer, for sure. Summer. And it's—I think I'm—I don't know if I'm even using their panels. I may be using the works with Arlo right. panels that I got on Amazon because be they're cheaper. The the Arlo solar panel is like forty pounds. It's not like wildly expensive, and it's small. They're they're yeah. all they're very small, and, and like they've got a whole mounting thing and all that. And I'm mm-hmm. because of my roof and the status of my roof and all that. It was actually easier for me to just toss it on my roof. <laughs> just, <laughs> it just lays there. It just lays there and drinks in the sun. It's fine. It's like it's not going That's anywhere. Hilarious. It's not a problem. You so just come just out one day there. and there's a bunch of solar panels just like hanging from cables. You know, like little. Wind I guess, chimes. except I don't know. That would be you know that would be unusual weather to have the solar panels be disturbed. I also mm-hmm. have an Ethernet cable snaking over the top of my roof, so my roof is a. What was that for a, again? I know we were talking about that. It's connecting my the back of the house to the front of the house. Well, what is it with Ethernet? Okay, comes out of here and then goes over the roof to my back bedroom, where there's <sighs> more stuff and an and another Eero. Yeah, which mm. is instead of doing some kind of wild thing in the house, right? Which would be really complicated. Well, yeah, we don't have an attic, and uh, so really the only way you can wire things is by punching holes in the walls. Mm-hmm. So there is a hole punched in the wall over in the bedroom for the uh, for the cable. I'm going to rewire my house at some point here. 
this is really verging on like Casey List territory now, but um, I am going to rewire and do it sort of more properly and not over the roof um, and run it along under the eaves. But I just haven't had a chance to do that yet. So I've got a giant spool of Ethernet cable here. But yeah, anyway, my roof has got all sorts of stuff on it, including solar panels. That's fine. It works great. I also wanted to ask you about your smart lock. Oh, yes. Sure. How Let's is, talk about it. What, would, what do you want to know? How is smart lock life for you? So smart lock life is okay, but it feels very much like a first generation product and I want the second generation product. And the problem is that due to legacy nodes, <laughs> the, um, the second generation product is basically not available anywhere. So there are starting to be locks theoretically some shipped and then they stopped and they're out of inventory oh. and hopefully there'll be more inventory at some point but there there started to be some new locks that use um home key basically that you they use nfc yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's what i want because nfc smart lock uh the way apple's written their software for nfc stuff like like locks you literally can tap without doing anything. You tap with your watch or your phone, and the door unlocks. Yeah, this is like the um, fast pass thing for travel. Yeah. yeah, same idea. So that's what I want. What I have is a couple years old, and it uses Bluetooth LE. And you know, okay, what I like about the smart lock is it does things like auto lock when you leave the door unlocked. After a couple minutes, you can set the time. It locks itself. That's nice. It If you leave the door open, it sends you an alert saying, oh, the door is open. Watch out. What I don't like about it is that the Bluetooth LE thing is unreliable. And the way, the way they, it's, it's a really clever hack, but the way that they have to do it is the lock is looking for your phone via Bluetooth LE. And when it sees it, it knows that you're there. And that's great. And then what happens is your phone, your phone leaves the vicinity of your house and you have to set a radius. And then the app on your phone basically says, I'm gone. And then when your, when your lock sees the phone again, it goes, yay, you're back. And it unlocks the door. Mm -hmm. There's lots of reasons for this. And it's a, it's a very kind of cleverly done and, and it, it works sometimes. And a lot of times it doesn't work. And when it does work, a lot of times it works so slowly that you're standing at the door waiting for it to open. Mm. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to tap and enter. I want to use my phone or my watch as a key. I think it's a much better approach. The other problems I have with those first generation locks, because I have the uh, Yale August smart lock that does HomeKit. The other problem is the lock is sort of a generic smart lock. And then there's a module that you put in it. And so it's got the HomeKit module in it. But because it's using some sort, I don't even know what its smart home tech is, if it's Zigbee or something like that. But it's basically, you have to have a dongle. You have to have a little white block that you plug in to an outlet somewhere. And it's a bridge between the Bluetooth. Maybe it only does Bluetooth. Actually, I think it only does Bluetooth. So it has to be close enough to be in Bluetooth range, plugged into a wall. It talks to the lock in Bluetooth. And then talks to your network and Wi-Fi. And let me tell you, this is where it all starts to come apart. Because uh, the little dongle can lose track of the network or Mm. the lock. The lock can lose track of the dongle. 
the lock when it's <laughs> when it's four AA batteries get low, but not so low that it tells you that the batteries are low, can start behaving erratically and not seeing. You know, so you'll open the, the app and it'll say your door is locked and your door is not locked. Or your door is unlocked and it is locked because mm-hmm. the app is talking to the dongle. The dongle thinks it knows what's going on with the lock, but either the lock is lying to it or the lock is not talking to it right now. But it doesn't say, I can't find the lock. It says, oh, no, no, I see the lock and it's fine and it's not fine. And that does not give you a great sense of confidence when mm-hmm. when the battery... So, And this is, I think, the fatal flaw of this August lock that I have now, the Yale August lock, is... If the battery, once the batteries start to run down, it starts to behave strangely. And I've, I've discovered now that whenever we have a weird moment with the lock, I first thing I do is unplug the dongle and plug it back in. Second thing is I take out a battery and put it back in to reboot the lock. And then after, if it's been a little while since we changed the batteries, I change the batteries. And a lot of times changing the batteries solves the whole thing mm. for a while. And it's not great. Like it should do a better job of saying, I, I help, I need new batteries than it does. And so, you know, it, so it's fine, but none of it, it, it like I said, it's a, it's a first generation product. It is the kind of tech you buy saying, hey, smart lock, that's fun. And then you realize all the things that they need to make better for smart locks to be a thing. And I'm hopeful that this next generation of locks is a thing. And the reviews are pretty good from the people who've gotten them, but they ran out. They basically only made a few thousand or whatever, and then they can't make more, and they haven't come in from the factory because of supply chain, and so we're left kind of waiting. But you know, I I've got my eye on that next generation smart lock, and I will swap it out because the the auto locking is great, the auto unlocking when you come home is great. I can leave my house with when I when I like go for a run or something I don't I don't bring a key with me right like and you can do that with a dumb lock with a number pad I mean the, the bottom line is that when it when it is in super dumb mode you can still just key in the mm-hmm. the code mm-hmm. and it opens the door right which is fine that's um the you know some of the, some locks now uh, that are smart locks have a an actual keyhole too <laughs> so you can actually have a key if you don't want to deal with the smart features all and that's fine mine doesn't have that now and it's fine but um certainly if the battery died completely um the best way to get into the house would be if you could actually stick a key in it which you can't do you have a lock that you are interested in like of this i do gen? mike I kind of don't want to talk about it because they're going to come into stock and oh, I want to buy one. Okay. All right. We'll I'll t- up. Okay. Upgrading fine. You, you know, if you find them in stock, here's the deal, Upgrading. I'm going to tell you what it is. But if you find it in stock somewhere at a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something like that, if their website says they're in stock, you got to let me know immediately. Jason eats first, all right? I mean, well, no, but like they're going to come in stock soon, mm-hmm. probably. And uh, then they'll sell them all, and then they'll be out of stock again for another few months. Right, but that's what I'm saying. If Upgradians see it, they got to they got to tell you out. that they've seen it, and then Help they and then they can buy one. But they got to tell, tell you no first. one else. Yeah, <laughs> um, until I've confirmed that I bought it. Okay, it's it's the uh, I don't know how this company pronounces its name in America. Schlag or Schlaga is how we would say it in German. Encode Plus. The Encode Plus is a home key. Uh, is is this the one? I think it is, the home Small home key compatible tap tap your watch. Yeah, that's what it is. Tap your iPhone or Apple Watch to unlock. That is the thing. Ah, uh, okay. And and there are reviews out there from April. Since those reviews dropped, 
they have not been available to purchase. <laughs> kills me. It's killing me. Schlag, Schlag, Schlaga. Uh, anyway, they, they, uh, it's, uh, it's an NFC door lock, smart lock. Very interesting. Encode Plus. It's got to be the Encode Plus. There are other ones, but the Encode Plus is the one with NFC. Other encodes are available, and they are not the Mm, one that you want. They are actually, Mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm looking for uh, you know, I'm I'm looking for one of those. It's got to be it's got to be satin nickel because it has to match the rest of my door, uh, and I hope that they come into stock at some point soon. That would be awfully nice. This episode is brought to you by. Saucegraph. So you've hired a brilliant developer. That's awesome. But now you have to get them onboarded. And if your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence and a big undertaking every single time. One of the huge challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the projects that they're going to be working on with their new team. This can be tricky if the code bases that your developers are working in are already large. Well, thankfully, Sourcegraph will make it easy to move fast in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it's findable, right? Everyone can sympathize with that. That makes sense. Centralization, bringing everything together, that's helpful. But given the fact that most companies do store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you make all of this knowledge easily accessible to those that need it when they need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams of Outsource Graph will have to rely on asking colleagues, reviewing out-of-date documentation. This is cumbersome, time-consuming, and error-prone. But with Source Graph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find the specific code that they need, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff worthy of that extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the five top tech companies, PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, Atlassian, and many more. Go to about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for yours. Or just click the link in the show notes to let them know that you found out about them from this show. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. When we were together in the historic episode of Upgrade where we sat far across a table from each other. Ah, uh, yes. After eating yes, in and out Social burger, distance episode of Upgrade. <laughs> where I was very full of coronavirus mm-hmm. and you were very kind. Uh, at the other, at the uh-huh. long end of the table. Like, uh, like long Putin. end of the table. Yep. Long mm-hmm. end of the t- <laughs> long end of the table. Yep. Uh, we were talking, you were telling me the story of how you accidentally <laughs> uh, upgraded your Mac Studio to yep. Ventura, to Mac OS Ventura. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you've done it again. I did that. I did it again. It's true. Oops, I did it again. And as I wrote in, in the document, Jason's second Ventura upgrade, and this time it's personal. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you've done it by choice now, right? I did it on purpose. Okay. Yeah. This time it's pur- purposeful. Uh, yeah. I did it. I did it. Got to live with it. This is the reality of writing about um, betas is at some point you you have to live with them and live with them is not reboot into them occasionally as a tourist and then go back to your actual work. It isn't running it in a virtual machine. At some point you actually have to use it because otherwise 
you're not experiencing it, right? Like, I can't write about the details of an operating system I'm not using just by, like, kind of flitting around and looking at menus and stuff and then leaving. You got to you gotta put yourself through it, even if there are bugs. And so I've had to do that. And, I, and, and the difficulty with that is that there is software that we rely on to do podcasts that doesn't work in it. So I have to commit to this, and I also have to commit to a janky uh, recording setup where I'm recording and talking to people for podcasts on a separate computer mm. because that's the only way. So I'm looking. I'm sitting here at my desk, looking at my um, studio display on my Mac Studio that I do every day, like I used to do with my iMac. And then off to the left is a laptop that is running Zoom and Audio Hijack, and that's where we're actually having this conversation so all of your audio gear is connected to the what laptop is it now is it the the Mac- macbook air the macbook air is it the new one the m2 one it's actually the it's actually the, the apple old. review unit uh, right. because it doesn't have to go back for another month and yeah. by then uh hopefully audio hijack will run on ventura so we'll see so you've got all of your audio gear plugged into that and that's yes. doing the recording but you're looking at all the show notes and the discord and everything on your mac studio in ventura exactly on the exactly. on the the studio display in front of you, and I'm able to use universal control to click the buttons I need to click over on the MacBook Air, but mostly it just sits there. Now that's cool, isn't it? That's that's a cool feature that wasn't there. I guess the last time you tried to do this was not there the last time I tried to do this. So, so that that part is nice. That part is nice because you do this every every year, year anyway, and it's not yeah. just because like this year it's special because Audio Hijack just doesn't work like by developer choice at the moment, right? Is that still yeah. the case? Well, last year, last year was also the case. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's it's still the case. Okay, that was like I couldn't remember if because I know in the past it hasn't worked, which is why they have decided to just yes keep it to themselves until they. That's have the full answer. Support. Is two years ago it broke horribly. Last year and this year they decided they were just going to turn off support for it. Yeah, because otherwise they're going to get people complaining that it doesn't work. And the truth is, I talked to Paul Kafasis of Rogue Amoeba about this. The truth is. OS updates tend to break <laughs> the audio subsystem. They just do. Mm-hmm. And Rogue Amoeba's concern is that they're going to get blamed for bugs that are Apple's bugs in the betas. Yep. And when somebody's recording fails, it's really bad. And so they basically have made the executive decision to not let you make a bad decision about using Audio Hijack on a beta by saying no. We're yeah, because no. at least this way they can't be blamed. However... You don't necessarily know this is going to happen to you until it happens to you, though, right? Like, you... indeed, and in fact, I mean that, that's that's what that the thing that bothers me about it is I I have no evidence that it actually doesn't work fine in Ventura. It might, but at least for what you want to do, for what I want to do, mm-hmm. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because it doesn't work; it's disabled. So second computer, it is. Last year, I used an I used my Mac Mini, which I've since moved out of my office and it's in another room in the mm-hmm. house. But last year, I had the Mac Mini and I had a big big USB extension cord <laughs> so I could run from all the way where the Mac Mini was over to where my audio interface was and plug in and use remote desktop to control everything, use uh, screens for that. But now I just have a laptop sitting here. It's fine. I had to buy an Ethernet adapter for yeah. it. I mean, also, though, in the past, there has been yeah. like a, I'm just not going to use Ventura to record the podcast because if something goes wrong... Sure. Right? Like, that's definitely been a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, how long have you been using it daily? couple weeks. How has this experience been so far? It's fine. Okay. Um, it's fine. I notice, I notice very little that is an issue. 
I think Safari is, I've had some weird things in Safari, which I think are extension related, but I think it's one of those cases where extensions get out of sync with Safari, where you've got like a beta of Safari, but the uh-huh. extensions are not beta. And so I've had to turn off a bunch of browser extensions and I've had cases where Safari just gets really slow or it loads really slowly or it can't see a web page. I also related to that, I had uh, private browsing turned itself back on. So I turned that back off and that helped some, but I think extensions are still an issue. What do you mean private browsing turned itself back on? What, is it, what do you mean? Well, I never, I, I, I haven't had the iCloud private browsing feature on. Oh, but it you was mean on. iCloud private relay? Private relay, yeah, that's Right, because private browsing is... Is there, Sorry, it's is just the thing. other thing. Yeah, because that was a little confusing. Like, well, yeah. you, you can no, it's turn the, it it's off. It's the iCloud Relay thing that <laughs> I don't want thing, because it yeah. doesn't work right even though it's not in beta anymore. Yeah. Or is it still in beta? I don't know. Anyway, I, I turned it off again and then everything was okay. Uh, except for all the parts that weren't okay because of extensions and it was slow. And I have apps that are that are slow, like BB Edit is sluggish and I don't know why. Hmm. Um, I filed that as a feedback. I asked bare bones about it and they said hmm file that as a feedback i was like okay well that suggests that something is going on that they don't like so yeah there's it but it's fine generally i can get my job done and um and it's usable i have opinions that are you know i'm putting together about some of the decisions they've made i think the settings app is uh still kind of a disaster but uh, you know, I'm still using it and forming my opinions, and and we'll we'll go from there. But I did write last week on Six Colors about how they took a feature that's been in macOS since 10.0 and removed it in this version. What was this feature? I don't feel like I don't understand. Network it. locations. It's basically you can set you basically can set presets of your network settings and switch between them, switch among them if you have many of them, and uh, it's gone. It seems to exist still in the command line, but it's been removed from the interface itself. And it's been there since 10.0. I checked. Mm -hmm. I used Stephen Hackett's uh, library of screenshots to check. It's been there since 10.0. So I wrote about that. And there's some utilities that used to sort of like go beyond that have been largely abandoned that I wonder if they will come back because of that. And I don't know whether they abandoned that because the system settings interface was too complicated Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whether they thought nobody used it or what, but um, I thought it was interesting that that feature is gone. And in general, I think that the the settings app is kind of a mess and ugly and inconsistent. And I will say this network locations thing, it definitely feels like something that like it's fine to get rid of this. Like, I mean, you know. Well, so, so here is the thing. I think you're probably right. And it actually sounds like a great third-party opportunity to me. Sure. The, like, the existing apps may or may not be revived, or somebody could write something new that does this. I believe the control down in the command line is still there to control these settings, so you could probably do it. Somebody wanted to make a new app that that switched between network locations and maybe did some other stuff and maybe even offered shortcuts actions so people could use shortcuts to control the network locations. Like there's an opportunity here. Somebody on Twitter, and I I don't know, it it was not a real name, it was just a handle, suggested that the act of Apple removing a feature and therefore creating a third-party app opportunity should be called a a Moriarty. Yep, love it. Which is the reverse reverse Sherlock. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think they're probably... I, I think this is a good example where where this utility didn't need to exist because 
it was just in the OS for the people who used it. And I did hear from people who used this feature. So this seems like a perfect kind of thing. It's esoteric enough that it doesn't need to be done by Apple mm-hmm. as long as there's an option for the people who need it. <laughs> James Thompson in the chat. Network locations by Peacock. Oh, man. <laughs> So what you do is you literally you, you open network locations by PCALC and you're in a you're in the PCALC car. Uh-huh. And if you drive. want to go to a different location for your network, you have to drive there. Yeah, get in there yeah. and drive. While we're just taking this brief uh, pause in the in the comment the conversation here, I'll just say that uh, Sava in the Discord has posted a link to build.com, whatever that is. Uh, you can put an order in. It will arrive in nine to fourteen weeks of the Schlag and Club Plus. Sentry touchscreen electronic deadbolt with Wi-Fi. I don't believe it. You don't believe it's true? I don't believe it. Yeah, 9 to 14 weeks sounds like uh, they're just going to email you in 8 weeks and be like, sorry, this isn't happening. Yeah, what, However, well, what I like about it is that they're actually taking orders, whereas yeah. most places are like, we don't have it in stock. Whether they would actually ship the order remains to be seen. Free shipping. Maybe. Free shipping. Uh, mm-hmm. Stage manager, do you use it? Stage manager, do, do you, you oh, use well, it? Well, let me ask you a second question before you answer the first question. Do you use it as more than a curiosity if you do use it? I am not, I have not spent a lot of time in stage manager. Uh, and this is one of the telling things there's the kind of uh, experimenting with new features to review them, and there's the doing my job. And I have not yet taken the plunge of saying, oh, no, I'm going to try to do my job with stage manager. So I need to go back to that. I've spent time in it, but um, since I moved my primary to it i have not spent any time with it i remain excited about stage manager on the mac i think i'm gonna really dig it i think i'm i think i'm gonna dig it uh i assume one of the things you are spending a lot of time in though is the photos yes so much for the book right because this is going to be a yeah. big update year for the, your photos book yeah i think it's going to be um i think it's going to be a full brand new edition the whole thing oh it's take control of photos right take control of photos yeah this must be a pretty daunting task. You gotta get that thing done. Oof. Yeah, and it's the middle of August now, so it really feels like the time. You know, it's right around the corner. The summer's yeah. gonna be over, and there's gonna be new yeah. iPhones and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, photos. I mean, the big the big change in photos though is the is the shared photo library stuff, which is they've actually done a really good job with it. There are a lot of quirks that I get to detail in the book, but it is uh, it it's it's good. It's smart, and it seems to work pretty well. So that's all that's all good. I had to. I had to make a new <laughs> Apple ID or revive an ancient unused Apple ID in order to share a photo library with myself in order to test that feature, which has been amusing because I'm not going to force it on my family and I'm not going to force betas on my family. So I've got like an oh. iPhone that's logged into my me.com Apple ID uh, just so I can I can do all that kind of test stuff. Did you create a separate library? To do this sharing, or are you doing the sharing of your real library? It's my real library. Okay. And again, that comes back to the tourist thing, which is I, I can't log out of my, I don't, I, I just, I can't do it. I've got my library. My library has been through a bazillion photos, betas. It's all backed up in case something disastrous happened, but I've never had something disastrous happen. And I need to have the real photo library to uh-huh. test it out. That makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts of, of Ventura? Is it going to be, do you think, like, really it's like photos and stage manager and then just keeping up with iOS features like messages or whatever? Like, is there anything else that, ex- that interests you about it so far? 
Uh, no, I think I feel like it's pretty quiet right now. Um, obviously, the big stories on on the iPad side, it's Stage Manager, and on the um, iPhone side, it's the lock screen. Ventura, you know, the. I mean, it picks up all those other features that everybody else gets. And I've used the continuity camera a little bit, and that is fine, but it it is, you know, you, you use it and you're like, oh, there it is, right? That, that's that's what it is. Oh, yeah, continuity camera, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that, I feel like that's the big Mac feature is, which it's actually an iPhone feature, but it's a Mac feature too. Yeah. It's continuity camera. Um, and then everything else is sort of for everybody. So yeah, I've unsent and edited messages, and that was that was fine. I have not I've not yet uh, actually used a shared tab group for something that was not silly, but that's okay. Um, and I need to force myself. Another thing I need to do is I have to force myself to use mail on Mac because I don't use mail on Mac. And I I do on iPad and iPhone, but on the Mac I use. Oh right, yeah. Mimestream. There's the like um modern mac modern email features right 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 which which are i have to test out because it sounds like this is we'll 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 test them out but it's one of those things where like apple silicon macs don't really ever sleep you know they're 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 kind of always awake at a low level just like iphones and ipads and yet my i believe when you queue a message to send it does at like 2 a.m and you put your computer to sleep it doesn't wake up at 2 a.m and send the message but i gotta test it john Voorhees said that on a, yeah. on a and I on it doesn't make sense. Stories, and, and my it mind sense. blows. Like, what is the freaking point of the, that feature? Well, well, let me tell you. I'm going to file that away with the one that that kills me to this day, which is I am so used to listening to music on an iPad or an iPhone, and if I'm listening to music on my Mac, on like a MacBook Air that I've got my headphones in, or I've got Air AirPods connected to them. And I close the lid and the music stops playing and I go, what? <laughs> because on Apple's other devices, when you close the lid and the music is going, it keeps it going. Keeps going yeah. But on the Mac, they're like, nope, show's over. Nothing to see here. And this is just like that, which is, oh yeah, you can cue that thing to go at 2 a.m. But the, the Mac won't actually send it, which doesn't, again, Apple Silicon theoretically isn't doing the dark wake thing where it's like, uh, the on Intel Macs, they would you know they would wake up power for nap. certain tasks. Power nap, yeah. yeah. Dark wake was the developer title for it. Like, there's theoretically no power nap on Apple Silicon Macs because they don't need to power nap because they're always around. Except, apparently not. Uh-huh. I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience, and it is used by the biggest creators on the web including RelayFM. The Upgrade Membership Program, Upgrade Plus, is powered by Memberful. It allows us to generate sustainable recurring income while also diversifying our revenue streams, and it can do the same for you. Memberful is the platform that we have used at RelayFM for ooh, maybe six or seven years, and then when we rebooted the membership program in 2020, we were able to take advantage of a bunch of other features that Memberful had added, like private podcasts and stuff like that. It is a platform that has continued to grow over time. They recently did a bunch to overhaul some of their stats stuff. It looks really great. We get lots of great information about how many people are signing up and what they're signing up for and all that kind of wonderful stuff. 
if you're already producing content and you're relying on advertising or some other means of income, Memberful will make it really easy to diversify that. With everything that you need to run a membership program of your own, you can have your own custom branding so it looks and feels correct to your audience. You can have gift subscriptions, Apple Pay support, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, leaving you with full control of your own and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and your membership. You can also send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can even publish paid uh, newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members on your website so people can go and get previous issues really easily. There is no additional fee for this if you are on signed up for one of Memberful's pro or premium plans, so you're going to save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms as well. If you are a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started today for free at memberful.com slash upgrade. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash upgrade. Go there right now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM and making it so easy for us to get everything set up for our own membership program. They're awesome. It is time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. Oh, nice. The first comes from TV Wonder today. This is not a TV-related question, but her name is TV Wonder. You thought that was going to be TV-related, but it mm. isn't. They would like to know, how do you pronounce apple and then the S word begin that talks about the chips? I don't want to say it yet because I'm going to say it in two different mm -hmm. ways. Do you pronounce yep. it apple silicon or apple silicon? And, and did this change since Apple released the M1 Max? And people started pronouncing it like Apple Silicon, like fun at the yep. end rather than on at the end. They say they've always pronounced it like on at the end, like Apple Silicon. So it always sounds weird when anyone pronounces it like Apple does. Okay, so I think that this is a an alternate pronunciation that is pretty common that that people say silicon instead of silicon. What's funny is, I hear it both ways. I've always heard it both ways. Silicon Valley doesn't seem strange. Silicon Valley actually doesn't seem strange. So I think there's a, it may even be a Californiaism of shortening, you know, or changing the end of 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 silicon to silicon. I always preferred silicon because that's the that's the to me that feels like the pronunciation of the element silicon. Um, but so many words uh, in, I think, California English, you you kind of shrink them down to n at the end instead of on in pronouncing the vowel sound. You swallow that vowel sound. And I, I think uh, I'm sure that there's a linguist out there who could probably say exactly what this effect is. But it, I think it's pretty common. So I think it's pretty common, uh, just California, at least, way of 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 swallowing that vowel sound. However, once Apple starts referring to it as Apple Silicon pronounced that way in every single communication they make, it's kind of hard not to just go with it, especially since- You internalize it. Like that, it's, no, that's it's, what Especially since it's one of the pronunciations that I would consider fine. I don't care. It's not like they called it Apple Silicon. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. If they called it silicone, we would have a problem because, just for the record, silicone 
totally different thing. Yeah. And people do that all the time. How many times have oh, we used computer nerds heard about Silicon Valley? And it's like, uh, you're that's LA that you're thinking of there with Silicon Valley. This is the Silicon Valley. It's just it's chips, 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 chips. And sand, I guess. Sand. Silicon silicon. It's fine either way. So the answer is yes, it's sort of an Apple thing, but also sort of not. It's more like a Californiaism, and they've decided to standardize on. Honestly, they also have decided to standardize on not capitalizing it. So it's capital A Apple Silicon lowercase s, and that drives me nuts. Like, uh, but that's. I mean, I think it's right, but it's like such a brand name that it would be kind of easier if it was capital mm-hmm. A capital S. But it's not. It's just Apple Silicon. So you kind of go with it because why? Yeah. I mean, like, if, if that's how every single communicator from Apple refers to it, and it's a not, you know, it's a variant, but not to my ears wrong, then I just am going to go with it. But TV Wonder is not, which also sounds like Stevie Wonder, which I think is maybe what they're going for there, uh, is not, not wrong to say it seems weird, because... Yeah, I mean silicon is the standard pronunciation. Do you what what do you do in England? Do you call it like siliconium? Oh, don't ask me, man. Don't ask me what people Silicon-ium? say in England. Because everyone's just gonna get mad Silicon-ium? at me. Like, oh, you say things like an American, so like I can't be trusted of any pronunciation of anything. Um, oh, and they said that like an American. Yeah. Oh, you say things like an American, dude. Dude. Yeah, that's that's how <laughs> British people sound. I think. Thanks, uh, yeah. I say. Howdy, uh, y'all. I'm from right Somerset. Uh, the I th- assume, I will assume I used to say silicon, like silicon, like on, right? Silicon. 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 So now I can't do it right. But now I say silicon. silicon. Not like that. Valley. Silicon. 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 That's how I imagine it's said here like normally. But I say silicon, silicon now because yep. Apple say it that way. And so we just internalize it. This is just a thing. It's the same as like when, you know, if Apple say a thing a certain way, everyone starts saying it. Like everyone said secret source for a long time because they said that they were doing that with AirPods. So everyone was just saying secret source, secret, secret source, source all the yeah. time. And that drove me mm-hmm. mad. But I, I like the way silicon sounds more than silicon. I like, because it's just easier to say silicon. It's easier to say. That's, that's, that's why we swallow the vowel there yeah, is because it is to easier say. to say. Silicon. No. Silicon. This is some silly fun with silicon. Uh, Leon asks, mm. do you think the rumored always on display on the iPhone uh, feature on the upcoming models would be something you'd be able to turn off? I can't think of a single reason I'd need or want it. What I will say to you <laughs> first, Leon, is don't worry about that yet. Let Apple tell you why you might want it, right? That's what you want um, first. I will refer you to the Apple Watch, which has a setting in display settings called always on that you can turn on or off. I'm yeah. sure it'll be the same way. Um I can think of lots of reasons that I would need slash want it, Leon, and maybe you will be surprised. Uh, but if not, I'm sure they'll let you turn it off. Leon, do a deal with us. Yeah, all right. Oh. When okay. Apple announce it, then say if you w- don't want it. Tell, let us know. You know, once Apple has shown you what it could do, let me know. You can tweet at us again. Right. Ask, hashtag AskUpgrade. Let us know then if you're interested. So what you're saying, Mike, is that Leon can't think of a single reason, but Apple probably can. <laughs> I mean, it's Apple's job too, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Leon, you might just not know why you want it yet because you haven't, you haven't, like, hasn't Isn't come Isn't that Apple mind. in a nutshell? Yeah. I don't know why I'd want this that's thing. Apple says things, and you're like, oh, that's I do want why. that. Oh, 
Exactly. Do. Uh-huh. Here, take my money. Luke says, with the talk of two sizes for the iPhone 14, what's the thinking on calling, what would be the thinking on calling the larger phone the Max phone versus the Plus phone? Is it just for unification? Has Apple ever had a non-pro larger phone called the Max? Do you think the Plus nomenclature will ever return? No. Well, there you go. Do you not want to know why? Why? Services get Plus. Hmm. I think it's I think it's confusing. I think I think you want parallel nomenclature. So it would be weird to have four different phone names. Larger phone is Max, and Plus. Then it's like, well, Plus isn't Pro. Plus isn't Pro. Uh, plus is actually the same as the non-Plus, which is just the thirteen um, or fourteen. Uh, it, it's the same, but so it's Plus is only its size. But then there's the Pro, and the Pro has more features, and then the Pro Max, which like it's too much. It's too many things. I think I think it will be fourteen, cleaner. fourteen Max. 14 Pro, 14 Pro Max makes the most sense. Pro Max is a ridiculous name, I know, but it's it's the name we have. And so calling it a Max, I think it's the right I think it's the right decision not to muddy the waters with yet another word that's used to describe literally the same thing, which is it has a larger screen as the Pro Max. I think it will be cleaner. Like, you know, as you say, right? You've got 14, 14 Max, 14 Pro, 14 Pro Max. Like, that's nice and clean. You, want, you Just in the naming, you can understand what these products are, potentially how they might differ from each other. It's good. I think the Plus name has gone away. Max. Max is here to stay. All right. Ian asks, Ever since my Mac LC2 in 1990, every desktop Mac I've owned costs $2,500. It's finally time to replace my 2015 27-inch iMac. What is the best desktop Mac I can get for $2,500 today? I got a lot of respect for this game. Uh-huh. This is I, I feel like I've played this game. I think at some point I said before I bought my iMac Pro that almost every computer I've ever bought was $2,500. So I'm right there with Ian. Okay, play the game, Mike. Go for it. Well, I looked it up today. Obviously, you're going for a Mac Studio, right? Right? Oh, you know what I didn't consider for Ian here? It's the display. The display. Ooh. Now I don't feel so good about what I said, because what I said was Mac Studio with 32 gigabytes of RAM and one terabyte SSD is $2,199. But then if you want to bump one of those specs up, the RAM on the SSD, 2600 But now, now, I'm, now I don't know what to do, because mm-hmm. you're going to need a display. Now you could just go with the twenty one ninety nine, and I bet you could find a good display for four, well, a decent display for four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a studio display, but you could get a display. You know? Yeah, I I think so. The display is the question. Does Ian have a display? Uh, since he's got a twenty seven inch iMac, my guess is no. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is the challenge because what what I think you should be able to buy and can't you just yet is a an iMac Pro that's about 27 inches that's got a you know M2 Pro chip in it for 2500 that's what you should be able to buy right now you can get a maxed out M1 iMac for only 2000 save yourself that money you could get a studio display. You could, you could, yeah. You could get a nice, like a Mac Studio, and a uh, a display that you find somewhere on the street or 
on sale uh, and attach that. Or otherwise, you get a Mac, you get a Mac Mini and a studio display, and then in a couple of years, you replace it with something. Once you've got the display right, then your computer upgrades can go back to being twenty five hundred dollars a shot because you can just keep the display. Mm. But it's it's a tricky one now because yeah, it's either going to be a Mac Mini and and Ian specifically said desktop Mac. And that limits it, right? Because I, you could get like a MacBook Air and a studio display, but that's not what Ian wants. No, I've I have assumed that Ian is looking for a desktop computer here. Like that yeah. is my I, I took that as an assumption and just ran with it. But this is the this is the well, yeah. What's the best desktop Mac I can get? Is the question. So yeah. it's right there. So I think the answer is this is the hole in the desktop market where Apple either has an M1 iMac at 24 inches or you have to buy a, you have to buy a display and a Mac Studio and that's where a 27 inch iMac would fit and it's not there right now you know maybe next year but not right now it's not there so you either have to commit to an external display and then a Mac Studio and a or a Mac Mini or um or you, or save yourself money and get the M1 iMac those are your choices if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode of Upgrade, you can send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, which you get access to if you sign up to get upgrade at getupgradeplus.com and you're an Upgrade Plus subscriber. Thank you so much to everybody that has. And also, thank you to our sponsors of this week's episode, Memberful, Sourcegraph, Squarespace, and TaxiExpander. But as always, thank you for listening and we'll be back next week if you want to find us in the meantime go to sixcolors.com go to theincomparable.com and at Jason L that's where Jason is Jason also hosts some shows here on Relay FM like I do relay.fm slash shows go find something new and add it to your podcast queue I am at imike I-M-Y-K-E until next time say goodbye Jason Snow goodbye Mike Hurley <laughs>